1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Hello, dear listener, and welcome once again to Owning It, the Anxiety podcast with me, Caroline Foran. I feel like a broken record with my intros at this stage. I know I just keep saying the same thing with the same intonation. So I'm going to change it up a little bit here and maybe I should speed my voice up or slow it down. I don't know. We'll see when it comes to editing what I feel like doing. But I hope that you're still enjoying this series. Um, I'm going to take a little break from the guests for a moment and just do a solo episode. Um, Something I've really wanted to talk about for ages is toxic positivity. And I guess I felt like I had enough to say in it that me, myself, and I could just have a little podcast by ourselves. Um, However, I had done an article on this for a magazine here in Ireland and gotten some quotes from Dr. Caroline Leaf, who I had on the podcast recently. She's a cognitive neuroscience neuroscientist, I should say, and an author of a book called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And I did get some quotes from her, her being the expert who could, um, I suppose, underpin what I already figured I knew or had experienced or thought about toxic positivity. And um, so I will share some of her um, insights here as well. And yeah, I suppose it's 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 something that sounds like a bit of a medi maybe millennial, oh, like here's just another another buzzword but actually it's been around for such a long time Um, and toxic positivity is something we all do we always have done I think we've lived in societies and cultures that have perpetuated it and I think that comes from our need to just slap a plaster on something and make whatever anyone's feeling or we're feeling ourselves better or make anything negative go away and that stems I think from our discomfort with the idea of discomfort and how hard it is to sit with shit feelings and how much we want to just race to get to the point where things feel better again, and how uncomfortable we are, especially when talking to other people with their discomfort. And you know, it's always it's always well-meaning when you say to someone, "Oh, but you know, at least this or at least that," or think of how much worse off it could be. You're trying to help them. Um, but actually, as it turns out, it's not all that helpful. And I kind of I want to go into that here in this episode. Um, and that's kind of toxic positivity. And it sounds like an oxymoron, like how could something positive ever be toxic? But if it's not authentic or genuine and it's denying how someone really feels, it can become quite toxic. The effect that your positivity or your attempt at positivity has on either yourself or someone can have a toxic or negative consequence. And also another, I guess, to to add to the, to the discomfort around discomfort, um, it's our fear of vulnerability, which I keep coming back to again and again. And that's what my, my book Naked is all about. It's all about, I suppose, empowering ourselves to embrace our vulnerability and how life can change so much for the better when we do that. And how, I know I already did an episode on this, but how, you know, everything can improve from your relationships to your work life to your daily sense of well-being, your stress levels, everything gets a little bit better when we come face to face with our vulnerabilities. Um, But it's not easy. And for so long, we've been conditioned to believe that, you know, saying something vulnerable is, is awkward, or, you know, no one wants to hear that, or it's not very socially acceptable, or, you know, you won't do well with that. And also, there's the fear, I think, that people have around, saying how they really feel if it's considered negative, because you don't want to sound like a moan or you don't want to sound, you don't want to be labeled negative or a moan or, oh, like she can never see the positive. Um, And I think, I suppose what my aim with naked was and how I live my life now is to really move away from this idea of being positive or being negative when really it's you're just being authentic and having the space and the freedom to be as you are, how you are, when you are, whether it's perceived as positive or negative, because that's how you feel and it's relative to you. Um, So yeah, let's just jump straight in. So I think in terms of a definition of toxic positivity, Dr. Caroline Leaf um, says that it's when we use positive thinking and affirmations, I suppose, to avoid dealing with a negative feeling, a negative experience or a negative situation. And like again a plaster or a band-aid that we slap on a wound, hoping it will go away. Um, I also think of if you have a really stressed out um, wild animal and, you know, it's it needs to be freed and you box it into a cage, it's not going to calm down. It's going to get more and more riled up, more frustrated. And then when you eventually do let it out of the cage, it's gonna go bananas. And it's kind of the same approach to trying to bottle in something negative And by saying, shh, you know, it's okay, it's fine. In a way, only makes it come up again later at an inopportune time. And it diminishes it diminishes what you're going through and how you feel. Um, so essentially, it's, it's when we use something that is on the surface positive to suppress or ignore an issue that we're dealing with or something that maybe a loved one or a friend is going through. And what happens then is this creates what Dr. Leaf describes as cognitive dissonance in the brain and mind. And she referred to the brain and mind as um, two separate things. And it's actually very disruptive to brain health in that it disrupts the coherence between the two sides of the brain. And will, it will increase what she says in high beta energy, thus increasing anxiety and um, anxiety. She also says it's like, you know, if you slap a plaster on a wound that's oozing out with all kinds of disgusting stuff, you know, you hope that by putting the plaster on it, it'll just go away. But you're not actually looking at the source of it. You're not looking how things really are. And all of that comes from from fear, I think. And another thing I asked Caroline, um, not me, Caroline, Dr. Caroline Leaf, was that If she thought toxic positivity kind of feeds into this idea that we shouldn't be feeling certain things, you know, in the article I wrote, I said, good vibes only. And that sort of implies you know we've heard that so much over the last year we've said it to ourselves and it implies a complete rejection of anything that isn't positive or good and that's more acceptable in society and it does unfortunately feed into the the dangerous I suppose idea that feeling stress and anxiety or feeling negative is bad and needs to be suppressed when in actual fact whenever I have felt anxiety as much as it feels not great in the moment it's a warning signal and it's trying to communicate with you that something's not right. If you're feeling negative about whatever's going on in your life, it's it's valid, it's real, it's impacting you. And you know, those kind of worrying thoughts, those things that wake you up at night, or the feeling of 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 overwhelm and anxiety which we've had so much of in the lockdown um, they're really helpful messengers actually telling us something is wrong. and something that maybe we need to pay attention to. I suppose some examples of toxic positivity might be the phrase, just think positive, or as I said, good vibes only, or, but think of how much worse off you could be. Or if you, if you respond to your own or anyone saying something like, Oh, I'm going through this or I feel this way. And you say, yeah, but that's toxic positivity. Um, in my experience we can definitely engage in it with ourselves and with others and it's kind of like shoving positivity down your throat and as you do that yes it's well-meaning you suppress and you deny the thoughts and the feelings and worries that you or another person have that might be considered negative or uncomfortable and we definitely live in a live laugh love kind of world where we just don't do well with discomfort and we say things like you just can't think like that and you know you need to not you need to just let go of those negative thoughts but if we don't acknowledge our negative thoughts I don't know if you've ever found that they go away because they haven't for me um, another thing that makes it hard is that, and this is t- toxic positivity feeds into this, is that we feel like we don't have the right to complain, um, because someone will surely tell you, you know, but just look, look at how lucky you are, and think, you know, look how how someone else would love to be in your position, which I got told all the time when I was at my lowest ebb, when my anxiety was really bad. Um, but you know, as I said, especially given the current context, which has eroded our resilience massively whatever you're feeling is valid and everyone can have a low day based on their own biochemistry. It It's not, it's not, It's not one size fits all and you can be in a very fortunate position and still hit your own version of your emotional rock bottom or your feeling of having hit a wall where you just have to let it out and you have to just sort of reset yourself and yes of course you can certainly walk outside your door and you'll always find someone who'll be in a far greater state of despair than you but but all the same your feelings are still valid and actually this might sound extreme but toxic positivity is kind of a form of gaslighting and when we default to this mode of what we think is support, we're really invalidating our experience or that of someone else. And by diminishing someone's worries, they don't go away, they get worse. Um, and we don't like that. If you put that plaster analogy, you don't give your your troubles or your worries a chance to breathe and sort of run out of steam. And the support that you think you're providing um. Obviously, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying this to make anyone feel bad and I've certainly done it, we all do it. And it's just, sometimes it comes from like an awkwardness of not knowing what else to say. But if you think about it, you kind of shame that person for feeling how they feel. So when you take what you're already feeling bad about, so for example, a recent thing for me would have been really struggling towards the end of the day when I've had a hard time with my baby sleep, trying to get him to sleep and have a nap and just not happening. And then you add in, you know, a healthy dose of shame. So for example, I could easily think, well, aren't you so lucky to have a baby? Think of all the people who are having fertility issues. You don't have a right to feel this way. You should be so grateful. And then you add the feeling of having to justify yourself. That What started as something innocuous can grow arms and legs. And I think on the receiving end of such toxic positivity, which can be coming from you or someone who would maybe wouldn't be as understanding, you internalize that shame, you add to the guilt and then you mobilize your inner critic. And we all have one and they're an absolute arsehole and you launch an attack on yourself. And when this happens, that's when you create that cognitive dissonance that Dr. Caroline Leaf was talking about. And that's when you create more anxiety and you get stuck on the treadmill, on this perpetual cycle, of feeling bad about the fact that you feel bad and what happens, you get nowhere. Now, in, in response to this, I know people will be thinking, you know, what about the relevance of just getting a little perspective and, you know, thinking about how much worse off it could be can be really effective. And we've all had that feeling of, you know, seeing something in the news that really shakes you and snaps you out of what you're feeling and makes you think, whoa, okay, I need to look at things again. And if that shift comes to you organically, that's great. If it if it helps to downregulate your own stress response and allows you to reset and helps your, your mood, not that you feel better, that someone else is feeling bad, but if it makes you reappreciate things, then it is helpful. But if it makes you go mute and internalize what you're feeling and you feel guilty about your own troubles and your own difficulties and makes you not want to say them out loud for fear of judgment, you know, and all of our worries can always sound trivial, if you change the context, then it's not really healthy perspective. It's it's toxic positivity.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh.
1: Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chat bot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh one dot com.
2: I also think that it's particularly it's kind of reached its apex at the moment because we are obviously we've been through a very very difficult year and on paper things might seem fine and we might not think that we have any reason to feel down or negative but we're we're constantly underestimating the impact that this pandemic has had on our well-being um, and we might say things like well like you know at least i still have a job or look my family is healthy and that's the main thing that what you're upset about here is so not going to be important in in 10 days time And I think the case numbers and the pandemic itself, it might all seem very abstract. And I've said this to so many people who have spoken to me who are feeling like they're not coping and not coping with situations they should, they think they should be able to cope with. And then saying, oh no, the pandemic doesn't affect me. Like it's not, you know, you think it doesn't affect you at an individual level, but it has been affecting you every day for the last year. Maybe you haven't caught the virus. Maybe you haven't known someone to get the virus or get the symptoms. Maybe you feel like, relatively speaking you're doing okay uh, but it has absolutely made a dent in your everyday experience and when you think about how anxiety manifests in the body or how stress manifests in the body we have been conditioned over the course of the last year to become extra vigilant and hyper alert and remain super aware of any threats to our survival in attempt in its attempt to keep us safe and the the virus has been a very legitimate threat to our survival most of the time we're dealing with threats to maybe our sense of emotional well-being or our financial security and all these things that our brain perceives as threats in the same way it used to perceive a threat to our physical survival like being killed or eaten by a lion you know the brain still responds in the same way but the pandemic has given us a very large looming legitimate threat where people are dying from it you know if we simply if we step step outside our front door we're at risk of catching it so what's happened for everyone whether we like it or not is that after a while we find ourselves in a state of prolonged stress and our threat system is almost consistently activated and when this happens as you know from listening to the series so far when we stay in a state of stress for a long period of time the part of our brain that we would normally rely on or we would call upon to calm us down and help us feel calmer and more balanced and help to you know mitigate the worries that we have and then and regulate the anxiety that's that's not there for us that's essentially been switched off Um, we're no longer able to swoop in and rely on the on the Prefrontal cortex as that first responder to say, "Look, it's okay. It's just worn down, and we're no longer operating at the same level of resilience that we might normally expect from ourselves." And this is when, you know, even outside of the pandemic, if you have a lot of stresses going on in your life and you're wearing yourself down, eventually it doesn't take very much at all to push you over the edge. You know, and it's it's your fight or flight mode always being on in the background, and we're closer to the edge than we realize, and maybe you then have an argument with someone or your baby doesn't sleep or you you've, you, know, you have a panicky moment and you think, Jesus, like, why can't I cope? This is why, you know, our fight or flight system, it's constantly humming away in the background, ready to kick into gear. And also we're, we're more aware than ever of things that are negative because of our negativity bias, because anything negative can be perceived by the brain as a threat to our survival. And we need to look out for the negative things in order to keep ourselves alive. But negative things back in the day, which would have been like a legitimate threat today might just be a negative comment from someone or a negative experience. And while they don't directly threaten your, your survival, you don't have the same strength to be able to say no back in your box to those kind of worries. So Anything else you're experiencing over the last year, be it stress of homeschooling or anxiety around fertility issues or the worry about what's happened to your job or your career, and I know we did a separate career career episode around career anxiety and I hope that was helpful, all of your issues, whatever it is for you, it's all set against the backdrop of this global pandemic and the very real effect that it's having on your physiology. So you've got this double whammy and when you take this into account, then the worries that might seem quite trivial on the surface, they start to make a lot of sense. And your anxious response and your tendency to go towards the negative, that makes sense. And, you know, something I figured out really quickly in in the pandemic was that, yes, we had a lot more spare time, but it wasn't that we didn't have time. We didn't have the cognitive bandwidth to achieve the things that we thought we would because we've worn out our prefrontal cortex. So we're dealing with a tired brain that's a little bit cranky and a little bit tired of being on high alert and has been working very hard to keep us safe you know and then in given all of that taking all of that into consideration being told just to think positive or just you know just get on with it it doesn't really help because it's not something you can just switch off it's been your brain has been going in this direction for quite a while so you kind of need to work with it rather than against it. And what would be far helpful in that scenario, if you were telling someone, like, I just feel like I've hit a wall and I, you know, everything that's coming out of your mouth seems to be negative. Someone to say, I completely get it. It makes sense. Like, of course, that's stressful. There's a lot of spinning plates. There's a lot going on right now. Need I remind you we're living through a global pandemic? And then something like, look, what can what can I do? Or is there anything, what do you think might help to make you feel better? And that's something that you can say to someone or to yourself. And then that goes back to, I suppose, suppressing the the self-critic mode and bringing in a little bit of self-compassion so non-toxic positivity then would be a more compassionate approach to ourselves and to others that doesn't deny the negative um and if you're feeling like okay well I'm a bit unclear of what toxic and non-toxic positivity is to you know that Positivity won't ever fall into the toxic trap if we're enabling others and ourselves to acknowledge our feelings of discomfort. And it's not about wallowing or being self-indulgent or that bloody phrase, millennial snowflake. Embracing discomfort is actually ironically quite a positive thing to do because if we honor our feelings and we're allowed to express them and we open that cage we let the wild animal we let our worries run free what tends to happen is they eventually run out of steam and the tension triggered by your stress response which is worsened by the toxic positivity actually can be dissolved when we're allowed to just be as we are and the cognitive dissonance evaporates so you give yourself the chance to feel how you feel without the shame or judgment whether that's you or someone else and because you've addressed worries and the concerns that are valid they settle down they get space to breathe and then they calm down only then that's when you can really benefit from things like perspective or the positive affirmations that you might write down in your journal or the positive sentiments or or then bringing your attention towards the things that are really going well for you or the the gratitude kind of piece um and Dr. Caroline Leaf said, you know, the mind and the brain, they actually love it when we're very realistic and positive, like realistically positive as opposed to forcing positivity. Um, And that we have to embrace our negative emotions as warning signals. So all of those warning signals you've been getting is your, your body saying, whoa, like this has been really tough living through a pandemic. Like we need to take care of ourselves. We need to watch it. And it's coming out in those days where you feel like you've hit a wall. And so when we honour those feelings, when we embrace our negative thoughts and feelings, we find the root of it. We think, okay, well, maybe, and that this is where applying the assess and address approach, which from my first book is really helpful. We then manage what we're dealing with by um, looking at what's going on in our lives. Maybe it's taking a step back. Maybe it's looking at what's going on in work. Maybe it's having a conversation with someone. And then we manage this by processing and reconceptualizing our thinking. And that's where the inspirational quotes might you know, become helpful. And this results then in a significant improvement in everything from your brain health and functioning, this is Dr. Caroline Leaf telling me this, to inflammation, all according to her research. And it empowers us to feel in control of our minds, which can increase our feelings of control over our mental health struggles by up to 81%, which is staggering. So feeling bad, it's not unhealthy, it's not socially unacceptable, it's kind of necessary, and it's it's good for you. It's a warning signal. And then you just have to learn what to do with that and how to manage your thinking. So I think when it comes to your worries, however small or large they are, don't just rush to diminish them, you know, allow for them. And with us, with another person, you know, work, work with them, work with yourself, not against yourself. Don't try and force another perspective on someone when that's their reality um so other advice from dr dr caroline leaf when it came to maybe having a conversation with a friend would be to really listen to your friend or family member when they're ready to talk and not to give advice about your positive life experience unless you're asked as this may seem like you're centering the conversation around you so listen to understand not to just give advice sometimes that's all people need is just just an ear a lot of the time we rush in with advice when it's they already know what they need to do they know what's wrong and they just need to voice it. Um, definitely try and avoid those toxic positivity phrases like, you know, there's always a silver lining or everything happens for a reason, or be grateful for what you do have. Um, this can feel like you're gaslighting your loved one, um, and you're not really listening to them, you're not really understanding what they're dealing with, and you're making them then feel that shame and that guilt. So really be present with your friend who is struggling. Um or yourself and don't be you know half on the phone half in the conversation sit listen engage um and don't be afraid of of the fact that we all feel uncomfortable sometimes you know uncomfortable conversations deep hard difficult positions this will this is will actually you know strengthen your relationship and help your friend to tap into what what dr caroline leaf calls their natural wisdom um and don't see the person as like oh you know fragile or damaged or broken or ill and you know don't ever think that they're just being negative for the sake of being negative. See the truth behind their behavior and know that they're doing what they can do to cope um, and I suppose don't make their their fears worse by, by you know making them feel like they have to stay positive because then it will feel like they can't cope. So To wrap up, um, some examples of toxic positivity would be saying things like, well, look, being negative won't help you or like, what can you do about it anyway? This is the way it is. You'll get over it only um, or other people have a lot worse than you or look, just smile because crying won't make it any better or just stay positive. All of those things. I've definitely said myself to people and myself. And, you know, of course, again, this is not me to say you shouldn't, you know, you're a bad person. We we've always done it in a well-meaning way, but it's worth thinking about. And then maybe thinking about your language and thinking about how willing you are to sit with someone's discomfort or your own discomfort and then bring in examples of I suppose more helpful authentic positivity which could be things like saying it's okay to cry like it releases tension let it out let like tell me how you feel like it sucks yeah like you've a lot going on right now is there anything I can do to make this easier for you Things are really tough right now. Do you want to talk about it, or would you prefer maybe should we just like divert or take your mind off it for a bit? Do you want to watch something if you're in person with that person. And um, look, this is really tough, but you you've been through something similar before. You know you'll feel better in a while. Your strength will get you through this. All of those things, they're they're positive and helpful without negating, and um, what someone is really feeling. And that's so important. If if I've learned anything about managing anxiety anxiety is only going to snowball if we deny it and diminish it Um. and yeah I hope that you've gotten something from this I hope you understand a little bit a bit more about toxic positivity Um. it can be quite a subtle thing and um. how I think life will get a little bit easier if we're aware of it and we can you know try and swap it out for something more authentic and genuinely helpful which allows for the full color of life negative positive and again to move away from those that polarize thinking and just think authenticity so that is it for me from this episode of owning it the anxiety podcast thank you to dr caroline leaf for her expert input and we will chat to you next week don't forget my my latest book naked 10 truths to change your life is available now wherever you get your books thank you so much